podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. G'day Badgers, it's the Ashes, they're on their way and to commemorate, to preview, I've been talking to Dave from the Great Cricketer Podcast, fantastic podcast over there in Australia, I'm sure some of you already listened to that, if you don't, tune in now because it's well worth a few minutes of your time and this is a lesson to you, not to get ahead of yourself, not to get too complacent, England have just won the World Cup, the Australians, they're having a bit of a dodgy 18 months sandpaper and all that kind of thing playing each other down at uh, the Aegeus Bowl bowling each other out for single digits I felt quite confident when I started the chat with Dave just before the first day of the England Ireland Test match within a few hours I was thinking what on earth James are you talking about England had been rolled by Ireland for 85 everything was back to normal England the glass is half empty these ashes could be very very interesting we talk about the ashes quite a light-hearted chat and stay tuned as well if you like your life cricket events then the great cricketer lads are coming over to England for the Ashes they've got tickets still available for their Birmingham, Manchester and Leeds shows so stay tuned on the ways you can get your grubby little mitts on those tickets should be good evenings anyway without further ado let's chat the Ashes here's my chat with Dave Edwards and all things as we prepare to fight tooth and nail for that little urn it's that badger style Dave, it's going to be a long old summer in England for the Aussies. Did quite well, I think, without being too patronising to get to the semi-finals. That was further than I thought the Australians would get in the World Cup. But mm. for the guys that have played the one-day series and, and then stayed for the Ashes, it's, it's a long time to be away. Mate, it's a massively long time for Australians to be away. It's probably been since, you know, the old boat tours of the, the Bradman era when you'd, you'd pack your bags up and you'd go over there and you'd kiss your wife goodbye. You weren't sure if you'd actually see her again. I think these <laughs> days we, we actually bring our partners and children over, so... So, you know, we've come a long way um, in terms of uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you're right. We've been over there for a long time already. Um, we probably overachieved in the World Cup, I think it's fair to say, um, even though, you know, there's this uh, there's this trigger inside all of us as Australians, you know, that we should win every single game that we play, regardless of what our team looks like or our form at the time. So just resisting that temptation, you know, that inbuilt urge to, you know, get all alpha on you and say Australia is the best team in the world and will be forever. Um, I think we can accept that Australia is at a, you know, a slightly precarious position in terms of uh, a status in world cricket and England uh, conversely is on a real high. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating ashes. I, I can't remember a time as an England fan. I mean, going back to 2005, probably the last time mm. I felt this positive about an England side, English cricket is, is riding on an absolute crest mm. of a wave at the moment. And Australia may be coming to this country at the wrong time. <laughs> I think you might be right there. What England did in the world cup. And, you know, I don't, you want, no, you don't want to dwell too much on that. I'm sure, you know, I'm, well, I'm more than happy to talk about it. <laughs> Tongue in cheek there. I'm sure you want to spend the next 50 minutes gloating about it. But um, yeah, look, uh, we, we probably haven't picked the right time to come over. But, you, you know, we're, we're still quietly confident, Australia. And we always are. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. You know, we've just had a trial match uh, the last day or so. And I think um, on day one, we lost. So this is Australia playing Australia. We've got 24 players that we're kind of going to choose the Ashes squad from. And I think on day one, we lost 17 wickets for 201 runs. So that's not a very good start. 
um, in terms of our preparation for the Ashes. Um, and I think all the guys that we don't want to pick actually took wickets. So I think you know it puts us in a in a in a terrible position really when we have to choose uh, you know the Test team for Edgebaston. So I don't think we really know what's going to happen. You know, we're just going to hope that that England uh, gets scared of Australia because it's apparently 1999. You're supposed to use these warm-up games to fill your team with confidence, aren't you? But I mean, mm. Graham Hicks giving a bit back to England, isn't he? His his previous paymaster's England. He's now the Australian batting coach, and he's one of the 11s. It's Brad Haddon 11 against the Graham Hick 11. But like yeah. you say, it's basically just a whole procession of single-digit scores, though, isn't it? Um, we'll draw from it, I guess, which, which we'll have to. I'm not sure what those are yet. We'll, we'll have a think about them. I think, you know, it's a really difficult time for Australian cricket, you know, as you know, that, you know, it's only 14 months since Sandpaper and we're still reeling from that as a nation. Um, you know, there's been a culture review into the game. Last week, actually, Cricket Australia was outed in a newspaper article saying that they were overestimating the number of participants playing grassroots cricket in Australia. So, that's that. There's a lot going on in cricket in Australia. Um, apparently, there's only 250,000 people playing the game here in Australia. <laughs> cricket Australia was telling um, the world that there were 1.56 million Australians playing cricket. Um, so apparently, it's not as popular as we thought it was. Um, so yeah, cricket that's, in a bit of a crisis in Australia. That isn't just kind of adding a, a, a little bit more, is it? That's kind of six times. <laughs> a little, a little bit of a fudging than that. So I think it makes Cricket Australia more relatable um, than anything. You know, Cricket Australia is just a, a desperate third grader like all of us, just trying to, you know, up their average. <laughs> I, I promised myself that I wasn't a race on paper gate, but you've, you've done it before me. But that, that has set back Australian cricket, hasn't it? I mean, you're going to see an Australian side. I'm not a particular fan mm. of the Boo Merchants, but when Warner and Smith come to the crease during the, the Ashes series, mm. they're going to know that they're in England, aren't they? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm sure they already know they're in England. They've been there for a long time enough but um you know when they get out there at Edgebaston you know there is going to be reception there are there is going to be booing there's going to be English louts on there you know with their lagers chanting and, and and making all sorts of funny songs about them um I think these guys are true professionals though and Steve Smith I mean he's been itching to get out there for over a year you can see it in every facial expression he's slightly more twitchier than usual now and like, I think these guys are really going to I mean, I think a bit of booing doesn't really affect them. <laughs> I mean, they've had the gaze of uh, the world on them for the last yeah, 13 or 14 months as they sit on the sidelines. So they're just raring to go. And I think a few blokes booing them won't probably do much. I'm not so sure about that. I, I, I get with Stephen Smith, that he, he seems to be quite a sensitive soul. And I think it upsets mm. him a little bit more. Whereas David Warner, he's done this makeover, hasn't he? The David Warner makeover where he's gone from this yeah. kind of in your face. I always think with David Warner that if he's not playing cricket, he'd be brawling in bar somewhere. And he, yeah. he's gone this makeover where he's going to be a nice guy from now on and he's got kids you know his family's life seems to be mm. quite nice channeling everything into being the nice mm. David Warner somebody somewhere trapped in a basement somewhere is, is taking the brunt of all this aren't they because he's, he's, that frustration has got to be coming out somewhere <laughs> <laughs> oh no doubt I'm sure he's got you know 16 punching bags uh, set up in his hotel room no I mean look I think Dave Warner, yeah, you're right. He, Well, I think we're on about our third or fourth iteration of Dave Warner. You know, he was originally the bull, you know, this young tearaway bloke who, who burst onto the the, um, the T20 stage and, and kind of parlayed that into the test stage and, and really made a name for himself about a decade ago. And then, you know, he then he had a, a makeover maybe four or five years ago. He was he was known as the Reverend. Um, he kind of became a bit more introspective. And then obviously Sandpaper Gate happened. So now we need a, another iteration of Dave Warner. And this is, you know, Dave Warner, the family man. 
Dave Warner, um, you know, everything in place in his personal life. Um, you know, he's been through adversity and he's come out the other side. Steve Smith, I mean, I think Steve Smith is the kind of guy that if he didn't have cricket, he would literally have nothing else. Um, because all he does, Steve Smith, is play cricket. Actually, um, you know, if you compare what the two guys, Dave Warner and Steve Smith, got up to during their break, I mean, Dave Warner had a child. I mean, he created life. He actually did something um, with his time off, whereas Steve Smith, I think he actually just learned how to bowl off spin. I think that's the only advancement Steve Smith made during um, his time out of the game. I mean, if I had 12 months off work, I'd be learning a new language. I would be, you know, upskilling. I might be doing a TAFE course. You know, there's so many things I'd love to do if I had 12 months off. Steve Smith just learned how to bowl these ones. So he's just an absolute cricket nuffy. And um, and by saying that, I think he just desperately needs this. So I, if he doesn't score runs, I fear for Steve, <laughs> for Steve Smith on, on a personal level. So I desperately hope he succeeds. From an English point of view, Ashes Test matches recently, it's just been watching Steve Smith bat. I mean, that, that last tour that England took to Australia, he just batted for what seemed like months on end, didn't he? And he, he, do, he does seem to be that guy that when he's not playing cricket, he's in front of the mirror in, front, in, in his bedroom, just kind of shadow batting and doing what you all used to do as kids. Yeah, well, I think he's on record saying that he that he does shadow bat in his time off and, uh, you know, in the showers, in the sheds at home. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's a fascinating bloke off the field. He's, he's taught himself how to play guitar, I think, as well, hasn't he? Which is probably boring everybody on the team bus yeah, with that. Uh, yeah, uh, a few chords, you know, maybe he's learned how to play Wonderwall. I wouldn't read too much into that. I'm sure he's not, you know, there's, there's no arpeggio work there or anything. Intricative Spanish finger picking. I'm pretty sure it's just three, four chord stuff. The Cricket Badger podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket365.com. Their ethos. We love cricket and want to make the world love it as much as we do. Join them at Cricket365.com. Thank you very much to them for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Were you guys pleased for England that they won the World Cup and finally finally got a trophy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I think it's did they really win? No, let's let's not go there. I mean, look, I think it's great <laughs> for England that. and English cricket, you know, that they did get a trophy. Um, it's always good to see England have a win. I mean, I know it's been a tough time for England lately, um, you know, politically speaking. So it's good that they got some runs on the board, so to speak, with in terms of international trophies. I have to say though. Traditionally, runs and wickets are, are more important um, than boundary countbacks. So I think it's the first time I've ever heard of a, a team getting bowled, <laughs> bowled out, chasing and uh, and still winning a game of cricket. <laughs> My social media has been full of people from the subcontinent telling me that England cheated and the ICC have basically engineered it so that England won that World Cup. But on every other <laughs> dividing factor, Dave, England would have still won because they finished higher than New Zealand in the group, higher net run rate, all the rest of it. So for me... That trophy is definitely England's trophy. <laughs> All right, mate. Your your neighbours. You've got to say to yourself to to sleep soundly. <laughs> Um, that's all that matters. Your neighbours, New Zealand, they, they went home with a lot of dignity, though. No, oh, they always do, James. And they're the nicest blokes in um, in international sport. And, I mean, if this had happened to Australia, you know, I can only imagine what would have happened. There would have been, you know, a diplomatic row. There would have been some kind of royal commission. You know, we, there would have been sanctions. So we would have done something uh, huge 
to uh, to get what we deserved. And um, I think New Zealand are right, should be rightfully aggrieved, <laughs> you know, especially since Damasina, you know, admitted to have made an error of judgment there at the end, um, you know, calling six runs instead of five. That You know, that could have changed the game entirely. But I don't want to nitpick. But, um, I mean, you were, I think you're very lucky that you're playing New Zealand instead of India or Australia because I think there could have been some serious diplomatic rows off the back of that. Yeah, there'd right. been a third world uh, war, wouldn't there? It'd have been, would. yeah, it'd have been carnage. You're, you're coming over yourself and the guys from the Great Cricket Podcast to enjoy the Ashes summer. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, we really are, mate. So we're we're heading over. Um... I think just a week or so, early August. And, um, yeah, we're doing a national podcast tour or a live comedy show, if you want to call that. It's Ashes-themed. So, um, yeah, we're just three blokes from the internet who do a live show. Um, and we've got a bit of an audience over in the UK. And, um, yeah, we're going to we're going to Leeds, we're going to Manchester, and then we're coming back down to London for a couple of shows. Um, but we're really looking forward to meeting some of the, the punters over in England and, and understanding, you know, what you know what the health of the game is in England. Obviously, off the back of the World Cup, it's, you know, it's never been healthier. So, we're, you know, and we understand that we're at a low point as well, so we expect heckling. So certainly encourage anyone out there to, um, to come along and, um, you know, have 16 beers and just say, give us your best. Um, we really embrace that and we'll give something back up. I promise. You're warming up for your, your journey with a couple of gigs, Melbourne and Sydney, which are both sold out before you leave. But you're in Birmingham on the 4th of August, Leeds on the 6th of August, Manchester the 7th of August, and then two uh, two shows in London, 12th and 13th of August to finish up with. But what can guys that come along to those shows expect from it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think they can expect a pretty loose take on cricket. You know, we the, the way that the shows goes, essentially we mirror the podcast for the first 15 or 20 minutes. We have a bit of a chat about the game and what's happening. Um, and then we have a special guest for each show so so in Birmingham you know we've got Merv Hughes one of the one of the great larrikins of Australian cricket he'll be coming up on stage and regaling us you know with stories from his career and you know we'll throw a few stupid questions at him a few serious questions at him have a bit of fun and then towards the end of each show we do a bit of an audience interaction piece where um we uh take questions from the audience basically and um allow them to get into the into the moment and you know ask the guests some questions so Merv in Birmingham in Leeds and Manchester we've got Tim Bresnan so the great Tim Bresnan will be joining us on stage there and you know a real larrikin of the um of the, of the English circuit and you know obviously he'll draw on some of his great stories of, of beating Australia and and tell us a bit more about what he's up to lately and we'll have a lot of fun with it so we, we're just trying to have a bit of um a laugh about cricket because um, that's all we can really do as Australians. It's in such a terrible state at the moment and, and very different to what's happening over in England. So I think commercially it's going to work for us, hopefully, if everyone comes along and, and, and just criticises us publicly, we welcome it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Brezzy's a good lad. I know Brezzy's from Yorkshire, so he'll be good value on stage for you in Leeds and Manchester. So, uh, yeah, encourage people to go along and see that. I, I, I was seeing Merv Hughes in the, in the stands because he came over with a, a touring party of, mm. of Aussies for the World Cup and gradually started looking more miserable because I think for the semi-finals it was that it was where Australia and India were going to be because Australia lost to South Africa yep. all of a sudden they were against England in Edgebaston but I think Merv yeah. got tickets for Old Trafford watching India <laughs> probably yeah he does run a tour group um, every year over there and you know there's about 50 or 60 people hanging off him um, off his every word and he, he drags them all around the country so I'm sure he was also um, you know a bit disappointed for everyone that was with him uh, that wouldn't be able to share in that experience of Australia making the, the final or at least a, a you know slightly easier passage through to the, the final theoretically so um, I'm, I'm sure he's recuperated from that 
and um, yeah, we look forward to seeing him in in, in um, Birmingham. I think one, ahead of this Ashes series, one of the interesting dynamics is—I mean, you, you've already said it so far—that you know, I'm, I'm used to Australians being quite in your face. We're going to win this. We're going to—we're dead confident yeah. everything's going to go right. Glenn McGrath yep. saying five nil and all the rest of it. And yep. at the moment, it seems Australians aren't quite as confident as that. With the English, we're used to going into a series thinking, "Blimey, yeah. how are we going to lose this one? We, we might get a consolation test match towards the end of it, but Australia are the better side." And we're yeah. actually kind of getting our heads around the fact that we've actually got a really good chance ahead of this test match. We've just won the World Cup. We we came through the World Cup totally different mm. to how England usually play a World Cup because we we went through the group stages, had our had our, had our wobble halfway through that, then showed our resolve. We fought back. We came through when we won. And I think a lot of English people are trying to get their heads around the, that change in dynamic there. So it's a, it's a strange one from that perspective, isn't it? That Australia coming in maybe less confident and England are trying to get used to the fact that they actually should be confident. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's, it's a real role reversal, isn't it? Um, I mean, internally, we're still shrieking 5-0. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's <laughs> that's never going to change, regardless of who we're playing or whether it's only a three-test series. This is just still this internal monologue that shrieks 5-0 at all times. Um, look, we'll, we'll see how we go. I, I think it is a different approach that Australia is taking. I, I, I think you know, in, in past series, players have come out and made bold announcements like Glenn McGrath has. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone, probably Nathan Lyon, uh, comes out in the next couple of days and, and suggests that, you know, it will be a whitewash and um, and kind of gets that momentum back to status quo, which is where we feel more comfortable, I think. It's funny with Nathan Lyon because he, he seems to have taken over that kind of loud hailer role in, in the Australian side and isn't quite as intimidating. With all due respect to him, you, yeah. know, you, you see Glenn McGrath, who's got yeah hundreds and hundreds of test wickets and he's one of the best mm-hmm. bowlers of all time. When he says it, you kind of stop and you listen a little bit. When Nathan Lyon says it, and it, it, yeah. it, I, I loved it during the World Cup when he said, oh, this is now England's to lose. He was playing the mind games mm. thing and he came out and said all that. And then in the yeah. next game, Jason Roy was smashing him first ball back over his head <laughs> into the sight screen and it was, yeah, shut up, Nathan. You, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Nathan, well, what, how many wickets? Over 300 test wickets, I think. But at the end of the day, he is a, a gentle off spinner. And if you're going to have a political attack dog going out there and pushing this messaging, I think it needs to be someone who's not an off spinner. It needs to be a big, well, there's no shortage of big alpha blokes that we could draw on. So I think you're right. I think Nathan Lyon probably isn't the intimidating uh, person that should be in charge of this messaging. You know, we've got plenty. We've got we, Dave Warner. I mean, Marcus Stoinis. Mitch Stark, Pat Cummins. I mean, I know he's a nice guy, but you know, just give him a script and let him let him speak. I think we need to get someone else in there. Dave Warner seems to have gone off that, though, doesn't he? He, he wouldn't be right in his current incarnation to uh, be the loudmouth Aussie that was leading the cheerleading. He, he, he's almost gone within himself, hasn't he? Yeah, but you know, look, it's there. Believe me, it's just it's latent. It's barely beneath the surface. At any moment, he can flick a switch and reignite it. So I'm I'm going to hold fire on on Dave Warner. I think anything could happen with him. I mean, he seems pretty chilled out now. But once he walks onto that field, he, he he's the greatest exponent of white white line fever. So um, I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I think that's that's the beautiful thing thing about this series. I I just have absolutely no idea what's going to happen either on or off the field. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. 
What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. As an Aussie, Dave, who were you worried about in the England team? Uh, who am I worried about? Um, look, I mean, you know, I have an inbuilt reflex to be worried about James Anderson and Stuart Broad because I know how well they use the Red Dukes ball and I've seen it with my eyes and it's scarred me um, previously. So I have no doubt. I mean, if, if Anderson's fit, that is, um, that he will run rings around us in our top order again. You know, I'm not exactly galvanised by Australia's work in the trial match that we've had. So, look, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about how we're going to play your seamers and Joffre Archer as well. I mean, you, Mark Wood, uh, you know, pending fitness again, but, you know, you've got a really good bowling attack at the moment. So, um, and that's just the bowling. I mean, that your, your batting lineup's superior to Australia's as well. So, I mean, Joe Root, look, I'm sure he will hit runs for fun. Uh, he's been in great form. So, I mean, there's a lot to be worried about. Um, but again, you know, we're going to win 5-0, so I'm not too worried. <laughs> and I think if, if, you, if you're going to ask that question of English people, you'd look down the Australian lineup, you'd say Warren and Smith because they're the obvious batsmen that can score runs. Mm. But um, Mitchell Stark for me, I, I, I spent a lot of time around the Yorkshire team and he came across to uh, play for the Yorkies one year. He's a cracking bloke, mm. but he's also a flipping good bowler as well, isn't he? If, 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 if he has a summer, yeah, if, if Australia are going to compete in this Ashes series, you need uh, Mitchell Stark to really be, bring his A game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's a great bowler. And there's, you know, people are talking about James Patterson as well, who's also, you know, in a, in a similar vein, a real Thunderbolt bowler who can break through. And we also have a couple of guys like Michael Neister and Jackson Bird who can move it around and have been taking wickets um, in these conditions before. So it's going to be interesting to see what the selectors go with. There, there is a lot of firepower there, but there's also a lot of um, horses for courses options in terms of seamers. So probably we're just going to go for raw pace um, because that's what we always do. <laughs> but um, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have a couple of players in there who can exploit the conditions. But, you know, you're right in terms of saying Mitch Stark is a real firepower and, and, and I know that he's quite intimidating to, to English batsmen as well. Cameron Brancroft as well might make the squad. He's in the, in the trial game as we speak. He was the third party to Sandpaper Gate as well, wasn't he? And he's the one that hasn't actually put his head back above the parapet since. You know, do, do you think it might be his summer of redemption? Uh, look, it could be. Look, I mean, this summer is ripe for redemption stories, isn't it? And um, I know that Cameron Bancroft is a favourite of the coach, Justin Langer. All reports are that Cameron Bancroft has um, put his head down. I think he's also a proponent of transcendental meditation, yoga and earthing, which is apparently a new thing that we're doing, various new age techniques that have oh, that permeated the, the entire the Australian stuff? sport. Yeah, so essentially, James, it's when you um, take your, your shoes off before training and just allow your, your toes to run over uh, the earth's fibres to get that natural energy from the, the oval, um, which is what we all do, you know, when we go in the nets, uh, we take our shoes off and do that. So, look, I mean, he, he's, he's definitely in the good books in terms of the hierarchy at Cricket Australia. And even though he obviously was the fall guy for the sandpaper situation, you know, there is talk that he will play a part in the series. So he's over there. I don't think he's been batting too well, though. I'm not, I'm not sure of his um, figures off by heart, but um, I'd be surprised if he starts in the in the first or second test, but he might play a, play a role in the series at some point. The barefoot stuff when they, the Aussies walked around the ed edge button ahead of the semi-final to soak mm. up the ground and, and to be as one with the, the soil. Didn't work, though, ahead of the semi-final against England, did it? It's potentially <laughs> not, the, not the way forward. Probably not the way forward. Um, 
I mean, I think they, you know, there were some, some other <laughs> reasons that we lost that game um, relating to skills. But, you know, I, I think if we're going to rely and put all our eggs in the earthing basket, then um, yeah, clearly it didn't work. We're going to have to try some new measures, I think. I'm going to put the Glenn McGrath microphone now. You're going to have the, the loud hailer. What's your prediction yeah. for the series? <laughs> uh, look, I think it's probably, look, I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if Australia win a test match. I think they can actually, no, I think they can win one. I think it might be 3-1. I think there'll be a draw, and I think there'll probably be about nine or ten days of actual play in the whole series. I think, <laughs> I think that's the way it's shaping up. Um, there's going to be a lot of wickets. There's not going to be a lot of runs, certainly from our side. And um, if we do win, it might be one of those fluky wins. So, I mean, I, I don't expect much from the Australian team. But having said that, you know, who knows? Who knows? I'm not going to be Glenn McGrath and say 5-0. I'm going to be honest and say probably England 3-1. I think, I think you failed your, your audition there because Glenn McGrath would have gone 5-0 regardless, wouldn't he? You've, you've been a little bit more timid. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite... I'm <laughs> we not are quite trying to reach out to the English uh, market. James, so um, I've mean, got to soften yeah, them some. Fair enough. I'm not quite so devastated about your your chances in this one. I think, you know, it's an Ashes series. Australians, they'll stick their chests out, won't they? They'll go out, they'll fight for the fight for the badge and, and what have you. I, I think England win it, but I think it's it's going to be a bit closer than maybe you suggest. I think maybe a 2-1 or something like that in yeah. in England's favour for me. Well, that would be a great result. Whatever happens, yes, our, our chests will be protruding loudly and proudly. But yeah, I'd be very surprised if we can um, take the series. Here's hoping. Yeah. It's been really good to talk to you today, Dave. I listened to your podcast and it's it's a it's a good listen and a great cricketer podcast. Available on all good platforms, as uh, as is the Cricket Budget podcast. And you've got your shows. Just just to remind people of how they can get tickets for the shows that you've got coming up. Birmingham, Leeds, and Manchester. So the the show. Had- in Birmingham, is at the Glee Club. You can go on the glee.co.uk website there and grab some tickets. Um, Leeds, we're playing the Wardrobe. Um, that's on the uh, the 6th of August. You can catch us there. Go to the Wardrobe website for tickets. And then Manchester at the Dance House on the 7th of August. So, again, you can you can go to the, the website there or just type in Google, you know, the grade cricketer Manchester, and I'm sure the algorithm will do its job. Well, enjoy your shows. Hopefully you get people turning up for them and, uh, and, and the really good evenings. Carry on the good work with your podcast. As I say, really good listen and I hope to catch up with you when you're over here. Absolutely, mate. And thank you very much for the time. And um, yeah, great to chat. Speak soon. It's that Badger style. Thanks to Dave Edwards for his time and joining me on the Cricket Budget Podcast this week. As I said before, check out the Great Cricketer Podcast. Well worth the listen. Make sure, if you can, get along to one of those shows in Manchester, Leeds or Birmingham. Should be very, very good evenings in this fantastic summer of cricket. With all that cricket ahead and with events to go to. Enjoy your cricket badges. Podcast Network.